Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Dummy Mind Paranormal Podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Tori, from the Facebook group Dummy Mind Paranormal. And welcome to our podcast if you are a new listener. So, for tonight's episode, I thought it would be interesting to visit vampires from all around the world. And for tonight's episode, I've got vampiric entities from Bali, to Scotland, to Japan, to the ancient Mesopotamians. I mean, this list of these frightful creatures is quite a doozy. So, I hope you guys will enjoy this episode. And as usual, we will include three or so true random ghost stories from random people on the interwebs. So, as usual, if you guys would like your own stories um, featured on an episode of Demimond Paranormal Podcast, feel free to contact me with your story. And you can either relay your story to me to tell to the, our audience, or you can actually request to be a part of the episode. I will invite you on as a guest, and you can tell your story. So, without any further ado, let's get started, shall we? Hello and welcome to the first segment of tonight's episode. So for tonight's first segment of the episode, I thought it'd be interesting to just kind of switch it up a bit and tell you guys the ghost stories first before we get into the vampires. So, like I said before, these are just a few random ghost stories that I found on the web that I'm going to relate to you guys in tonight's podcast. So, before I do that, I always want to ask how you guys are doing, and I want to thank you guys so, so much for joining me for tonight's podcast. It really means a lot, and it's truly humbling to see how many listeners we get. Each week, each month, each day, and even each year. So, how about when I was on my trail walk today, 
I saw so many little baby animals walking around in the woods. And I just thought to myself, you know, this is what it's all about. It's the simple pleasures in life. I mean, it really is, you know, just thrills me to just to be able to see little deer running around in the in the foliage or little bunnies, baby bunnies hopping around in the tall grass. It's just, I just really enjoy that a lot. Today I saw um, a mama turkey with a bunch of her little babies, like seven of her little babies crossing right in front of me. And a turkey is one animal that I don't always see on the trail. So that was really kind of exciting for me, if you will, because I was just like, oh my god, a turkey. And I had to snap a few pictures of baby turkeys with their mama. Also, that trail has the best wildflowers, man. I mean, they are so vibrant with their purples, their yellows, or their reds. I mean, it's just truly incredible what nature can do. So, without any further ado, let's get into the spookiness, shall we? Let's get into the ghost stories. So, this story is submitted by Kara Siller, Siler from Amelia, Ohio. And to quote Kara, I begin. Growing up, my dad's house held many spooky, unexplainable nights. We would hear loud, heavy footsteps running up the stairs when we were home alone. It sounded like a person or thing was dragged a rake up. Oh, it sounded like a person or thing was dragging a rake up the walls as it sprinted up the stairs. But there was one room in the house where, sometimes in photographs, it looked like a man was watching us from the windows. The photos below were taken in the same room in six months apart. Each shows a different window in the room. This next story is from Emily Cheney in Reading, Ohio. And I begin this story by quoting her when I say, I've always had a feeling that my house was haunted. Little things would happen here and there. I felt like someone was watching me. I would get random cold chills. The TV would randomly turn on or off. I would hear people talking. My family thought I was absolutely crazy. Then, a couple of years ago, my dog Roscoe randomly started growling. 
I had this weird feeling and I got cold chills. I decided to take a picture on my phone. And there it was. A man on my wall that looks like he has a receding hairline and a suit on. So obviously in Emily's story, she's saying that she took a snapshot of a place on her wall that seemingly nothing was there when she took the photo, but her dog Roscoe was going crazy, so she took a picture, and suddenly a man appeared, an apparition of a man appeared with a receding hairline and a suit on, appeared in a photograph. So this is a story that really got me spooked while I was reading it earlier. This is a story by Richard Cothart, Cothcart, sorry, in Milford, Ohio. So to begin Richard Cathcart's story, I begin with I was taking care of an elderly patient as part of my job when one day she said to me Get these two men out of my room. She also said, they've come to take me away. She was acting confused, which wasn't normal for her. Other than that, she seemed okay. I went home shortly after. I learned the next day that she had died about 20 minutes after I had, I had left. So our next story is from Chris Stutz in Milford, Ohio. And to begin his story, I quote Chris when I say, I used to live in an apartment in Milford that was so haunted I had to move out. Candles were tossed around. Half-body apparitions would float in the hallway. Different color orbs would float around my room. There are even scratches on my wife's throat. The list goes on. It was evil for sure. 
I have plenty of pictures to black out my stories. The one picture that he had, you know, shared with the website is a picture of a half-body apparition from the waist up up to the neck. And that's an apparition that he would see walk around his hallway at night. Alright, so that's it for the random ghost stories for tonight's first segment. And let's get started on the real spookiness with the vampires. See you in the second segment of tonight's episode. I'm really excited about this, actually. I am all in a sea of wonders. I doubt, I fear, I say strange things which I dare not confess to my own soul. Dracula. So, welcome to tonight's second segment of the podcast and I hope you enjoy the music which is music to drink blood to quote unquote (laughs) but tonight we're going to be searching a little bit darker than ghosts we're talking about vampires here so like I said before we've got vampires from all around the world German vampires, Scottish vampires, you name, well, not you name it, but, I mean, we've got a lot, but there's still so many that we didn't cover in tonight's episode. For example, we did not cover the Strigoi, among many others, but I hope you guys like this list, just to start you off with, or just to give you a taste. If you guys want to hear about this Strigoi, we did cover it a little bit in a previous episode. It's called the Haunted Romania episode, The Land of No Return. 
You can find it if you scroll down through our list of episodes of Demimond Paranormal. You should be able to find it. It's still available. Listen to it as you please. Alright, so, our first vampire that we're going to be talking about is from Scotland. These vampires are known as the, as the Bavon She. Now, the Bavon She is a Scottish vampire, and they're actually from the Scottish Highlands. But these vampires, they actually have some similar char characteristics similar to the succubus in the fairy, which is also curious to the banshee as well, because the banshee is also a fairy. So the Bavon she, they will appear as beautiful women who seduce their victims before attacking them and draining them of their blood. According to the folklore, the Bavon she appear as beautiful young women wearing either a long green dress or a long white dress that is to cover or to hide their deer hoofs. They don't have regular feet. She's also said to take on the form of a hooded crow or a raven. And like their vampiric counterparts, there are many stories of hunters being attacked at night by the Bavon She in the wilderness. So one story of the Bavon She is about a group of hunters that take shelter in a hut in a hut for the night, you know, and they start celebrating, you know, their good fortunes of their hunting. You know, that was a great hunt, you know, everybody's happy, but now they're, you know, in this hut taking shelter from the nightfall. And they want some entertainment. So the fourth man decides that he's going to sing for all of his friends and entertain them. And while the fourth man, the singing man, was singing, oh my god, he was making music, the rest of his friends expressed their desire to have a lady counterpart to dance with. And like that, just completely after that, literally, four mysterious women walked into the hut. Three of the ladies danced with the other three men who desired a partner for their dancing. But the fourth lady stayed, or she sat, right next to the singing man. All the while singing... The man noticed that drops of blood were falling from the dancing couples. And after that, he noted the singing man fled from the hut, and he hid among the horses. 
Now his vampiric partner did not let him go without a chase. She chased him out to where the horses were, but she could not catch up with him. Something was holding her back, and when daylight came, she completely disappeared. Now, while the mysterious woman disappeared, the man decided that it was safe to venture back inside the hut. But when he did, he discovered all of his friends were all dead and drained of all their blood. Now, according to folklorist Catherine Briggs, she suggests that the woman was not able to catch the fourth man because of the iron from the horses. The horse's shoes, in fact. Now, as we know, iron is a traditional fairy vulnerability. Iron can kill them. A similar, a similar variation of this tale is that... A similar variation of this tale is that when the women were dancing with their partners, the man noticed that they had hooves instead of feet, and he ran away. And then when he returned back to his hut, he was met with his friends who were dead with their throats cut and their chests were laid open in the morning and the mysterious ladies were gone whichever story you hear the motif is all, of the story is always always the same after a man wishes for a female companionship the bavon shift appears the bavon she are also known as the white women of the scottish highlands their only care is feeding. They do not care about youth, beauty, society, or power. Unlike the usual vampire, the Bevanshi only do, will not use teeth to puncture their victims, the victim's flesh, but they will use their long, sharp nails, and they will slit their throats. These vampires will actually lure their victims, which are usually either travelers or hunters who are very young, you know, nice young men, to where they are settled, which is usually the forest or the mountains. And they lure them with the smell of the blood of their previous victims. Also, unlike the traditional vampire, the Bevanshi do not transform into bats, but they also they transform into wolves. There are no known male Bevanshi, and if a woman was killed by 
a Bevanshi, she would ultimately become one. Now, these vampires had two weaknesses, iron and horses. Iron, as we said before, was known to actually kill them. In their fear, they were frightened of horses. And like most vampires, they spend their days in their graves and at night. They come up and they start hunting. They are one of the oldest types of vampire. And like the succubi, the Bevanshi drains the blood of their victims, but they also drain them of sexual potency. Also, contrary to the traditional vampire, the Bevanshi only rises from her grave once a year. In order to protect yourself from the vampire, you should always carry an iron weapon. And she is afraid of horses, as we said. So if you have a horse or you're riding a horse, just stay on it. You know, she can't get to you. She's scared of the horse. Just stay on it and threaten her with an iron weapon. That's your best bet. And also, it's believed to stop the Bevanshi. It's believed that you must build a an iron cover. You must build a stone covering over her grave. Now, like the Banshee, the Bevanshi is believed to be a messenger of death for a member of a prominent family. They can also speak any language and they communicate, they can communicate telepathically with their victims. So, our next type of vampire is the Vordalok, or the Wardalok. And this is dubbed the Russian vampire, but it's also from Slavic countries as well, other Slavic countries. Now, vampires hold a very special spot in Slavic mythology. Slavs believe that the body and soul of a person are inseparable in life. When the body dies, the soul remains wandering the world of the living for 40 days before moving to Nov, which is the spirit world of the dead. Now, pagan Slavs would leave a door, a window, a door or a window open so the souls of the deceased could move around as they pleased during their 40 days that they were stuck here in our world.
If the soul was considered too evil or corrupted to be accepted into the world of Nav, then the soul is returned to the corpse. The Slavs believed that the soul could be returned to the corpse because of, of a few reasons. So these are some of the few reasons that a soul could be returned to the corpse. If the death of an unbaptized child was to happen, or somebody suffered a violent or untimely death, or the death of a major sinner such as a sorcerer or a murderer, or if somebody was given improper funerals, they were given improper funeral rites. This is why funeral rites in purity of the soul as it prepares to cross over to Nov was so important to the Slavs. The impure were doomed to wander the world of the living. These souls fed off the living's life force, which was their blood. This vampire was known to the Slavs and the Russians as the Wardalok. The Wardalok fed off the blood of living humans, but it was the blood of living relatives, their family, or their loved ones. And they did this to convert its whole family into vampires. In today's world, the Wardalock is described as an upire, which is used to name a former witch, werewolf, or a sinner who was excommunicated from the church. The word Wardalock was first recorded in the Russian language in the 19th century. After writer Alexei Tolstoy wrote a story while traveling the European countries. After that, the Wardalock became part of Russian folklore ever since. His novello was entitled The Family of the Wardalock, written written in 1839. It was originally written in French, but it was then translated to Russian as Seven Waterwalks in 1884. In Ukraine, the vampires were feared not only for the draining of blood, but they were also thought to be able to bring epidemics and droughts. Our next vampire entity is from, it's all the way from ancient Mesopotamia. This is the Akimu, and they're also called evil gusts of wind. Now, the Akimu were believed to be the souls of the dead who traveled in the breeze, and they liked to suck the life force out of its victims. According to legend, to become Akimu, 
you must die in battle or have been murdered or if you were too young or if you died by starvation or you did not respect the gods enough. Some believe that the Akimu still exist today, roaming in sewers and abandoned Discover buildings. All the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year. It's a Our next vampire is from the island, the beautiful island of Bali. This is the Liak. Now this grotesque creature is from the beautiful tropic island, but there is nothing beautiful about this creature, man. It's literally a flying head with bulging eyes, tusks, saggy, straggly black hair, and an abnormally long tongue. And just below its neck, it has the goriest, bloodiest organs that are hanging just below its head. This vampire does not rely on its teeth to drink the blood of its victims, but it does rely on its ridiculously long tongue. And what is its victims, you may ask? Actually, the Liak goes after the blood of newborn babies or fetuses. If they can't get their hands, if you will, put hands in quotation marks, if they can't get their little hands on a baby, they will make do with the corpses from a graveyard. The, the Liak also has the power to shapeshift into an ordinary person, or they may shapeshift into a pig. Our next type of vampire is from Japan. This is the Nure Ana. She is also known as the wet or drenched woman. This vampire is one of Japan's many yokai or supernatural creatures. The drenched woman is described as having long raggedy hair. She is a serpent of the size of a human with a huge head. She appears usually near large bodies of water and she feasts on the blood of humans. 
in your honor would hand over something that looked like a baby to an, an, to an unsuspecting person. What she would handle, what she would hand over to them, looked like a bundled up baby. That was yeah. But that baby would then transform into a boulder and entrap the victim. In some variations of the story, Anna acts alone, but in some tales, she actually acts with a pig-headed monster who eats the captured victim. In another version, if the victim who, res- who receives the bundle accepts it, their life will be spared. But if they attempt to throw the bundle or the baby away, they then would be trapped in a similar situation in the Nuraiana would slowly drain the blood of the victim using her serpentine tongue. Our next vampire and our final vampire is from northern Germany. This is the Noxerer. Now, the Noxerer is a creature who is popular in the northern region of Germany. According to the legend, the creature must consume both its burial shroud and its body in order to survive. The word Nox in English translates to after. In the German word Zerer translates to living off. The combination of these words gives way for us to believe that the Germans believe that the Noxerer is a creature that lives after death, or they survive off of humans after its death. The tale of the Noxerer is also prominent in Bavaria and is also common amongst the Kabushians. Kashubians in the northern Poland areas. The common way, according to folklore, to become a Noxera is to commit suicide. However, a person can, a person can also turn into a Noxera if they die accidentally. This is less common and there is another version that if somebody who was part of a group of people who were stricken with the plague, the, per- the first person who has succumbed to the illness will turn into a, zo- into a Noxerer. In other variations of the creature, the Noxerer is associated with sickness and epidemics.
Once a person or the suspected creature, the Noxera, is dead, it's believed that the Noxera will start to eat its own burial shroud. Once the vampire finishes with the burial shroud, it will then begin to eat and consume its own flesh. According to some versions of the story, the family member of the vampire will begin to physically weaken. The Noxera is now feeding off the life force of its family member. However, the vampire can only begin to feed off of a family member once it's finished with eating itself completely. Some explanations regarding the mystery of how a corpse that ate itself completely could be explained away by scavengers, animals eating the flesh of a person in an open grave. It would make sense as if the family members did not see any animals around the bodies. It may have led to speculation that the body or the corpse ate itself. According to tradition, the identification of a Noxera could consist of going to the place of burial, and if the deceased is holding one of its thumbs in the opposite sand, in the opposite hand, with the left eye that is always open, while the potential vampire lies in the coffin, that is a sure sign that the, that person is a vampire, is a Noxera. Also, the Noxera is said to be a very noisy creature. The noise it makes while eating. Passerbys can hear this walking past the graveyard. Once a Noxera is found, it can be destroyed. The most common way to kill the vampire is decapitation. Since transformation was seemingly inevitable, but as a precaution or to seemingly stop the deceased be from becoming a vampire and, gain and gaining strength, a stone is placed in the dead person's mouth or spikes are also placed into the dead person's mouth. Decapitation was used as the most extreme precaution. Nox errors are said to be not to be able to turn others into vampires by their bite. Also, Nox errors are thought are not thought to turn into bats, but they are also thought to turn into pigs. Additionally, the Noxera is said to ring the bells of the church and anyone who hears these bells are doomed to die shortly after. Another belief on how a person could become a Noxera is if the person's name has been not cut out of the burial clothing. Hunters of the Noxera would listen for grunting noises in the graveyard, the sound of the vampire would make when it was munching on burial clothes. So, I don't know how much of that last part you guys heard because I was kind of cut off right there, but I'll repeat it. Now, I think where I got cut off was right where another belief 
on the knock server on how a person could become a knock server is if the person's name has not been cut out or remo removed from the burial clothing. And hunters of the vampire would listen for grunting noises in the graveyard, the sound that the vampire would make while it was munching on burial clothes. Also, if the shadow of the Noxware falls upon a person, that person was also doomed to die. So there you have it, vampires from all around the world. So there you have it, vampires from all around the world. I hope you guys enjoyed that list. I hope you guys learned something new. You found it interesting. You found it entertaining. I hope you liked it. As I did enjoy doing the research for this episode, I thought it was really fascinating, especially the German one and the Scottish one. I gotta say, those two were probably one of my favorites. Also, I just want to put in a little silly little quirky thing. The only reason why I initially even knew about the Wordalock, the Russian vampire, is because I heard a song, and I think it's yeah, it's by Rob Zombie, and he used the word Wordalock, and I was like, what is a Wordalock? And it got, and I looked it up, and it got me fascinated with what this Russian vampire. So that's what kind of, you know, drove me to include that type of creature in tonight's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed that one. And if you guys have ever read the book, the novella, what's it called? I always forget what it's called, but I do kind of want to listen to it. I'm just by Alexei Tolstoy, The Family of the Waterlock. I kind of want to listen, um, read it. I think it'd be really interesting. And I've, I've read some of the, you know, the, the synopsis of it. It kind of seems like it might be a little bit similar to Dracula, but not quite. So I'm very curious. 
You see how that book is? I'm gonna search on Amazon for it or something like that. <laughs> but one spooky book that I did end up buying off of Amazon was The Demonologist in the story in the case files of Ed and Lorraine Warren. And I was so excited to get it. And I haven't read it yet, but I keep telling myself I'm going to read it tonight. I'm going to read it tonight, but I never get started. So maybe I'll get it. I'll read it tonight and be too afraid to go to sleep. Who knows? But with that being said, I do wish you guys a good night in sweet dreams. And I hope to see you guys next week, next Friday, for an all new episode of Demimond Paranormal Podcast. It's a real pleasure doing these episodes with y'all. I hope you guys like them. And also, as usual, thank you guys so, so, so much for joining me. To my listeners in the U.S. and all around the world, good night, stay spooky, stay safe, be kind to one another, And I will see you next time. Sweet dreams.